you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or get involved in the conversation on social media. Join the Pearl Jam Podcast community group on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Live on Four Legs Pod. Good evening, boys. We got a home. Because uh, you, you go around and, and you meet other bands and, and you know other bands and you're part of this musical community and, and they say, uh, wow, it's really great. You guys have been playing 10 years and congratulations and all that. And it's like, yeah, man, good deal, man. And, uh, and, then, and then they say, uh, Wow, you must have played Boise, right? And, th- and then you say, uh... I don't think we did, you know? I, I think we-, we we scheduled a couple times that had to be canceled for whatever, and then... And, and, yeah. That was when Mike McCready was doing the booking, so if you want to drink that, please. But, um, and then, and then, so then they find out that you never played here, and they're like, you're not even a band. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring Mr. Stone Gossett. Fucking camera in the truck. now welcome to live on four legs the definitive live pearl jam podcast and we are coming very close to the end of the ototo states month and today we are going to head to idaho do you know much about idaho well i don't i didn't do my research on it i'm a bad podcast host maybe john did research on it maybe he'll back me up on Uh, this potatoes that that i Um, didn't have to research to do that i've actually been there to, to Boise? Not technically to Boise, I think. I've driven through Idaho, stopped to stop at a couple of gas stations. Right. Nice to drive through. I don't know that I'd want to want to live there, <laughs> but uh seemed like a nice part of the country. I, I've always been intrigued by their, like, little chimney. Like, what 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 is there? Like, kind of like the in Texas, hmm. like that, that little part of Texas that connects Oklahoma. 
You know what I mean? Like, w- what goes on the, up there? The hat of Texas. Yeah, the um, yeah, the Michigan. Know. What do they call that? The Upers over in Michigan. That like that little mm-hmm. spot. It just feels like it feels like it's 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 America, but it's like their own private land over there. You know what I mean? It's intriguing. However, none of them have hosted a Pearl Jam show. Boise happened to host it in 2000. They were supposed to host it before that. They were supposed to host it after that. Didn't happen. We'll get into all that. Randy Sobel over here. John Farrar, you already heard him. He's over there. Hello. Been looking forward to this one. Oh, yeah. For a lot of reasons. Oh, yeah. When we talked about doing this little theme of the states that have only been played once, this was, I think, the one that we were looking forward to. And, you know, next week's going to be fun. But this one, I think, is going to be one with a lot of stuff to talk about. You're absolutely right. I listened to it before, and it's because I was really fascinated by the idea of what would they do in Idaho? How would they react to them? Like, were they just kind of like farm people and and didn't respond? And, and, And honestly, with all of these, it seems like the crowd has been terrific. There hasn't been anything wrong with the crowd. It's just... That they haven't returned since, unfortunately, and and there's opportunity still there in these places to attract these crowds. I'm thinking, right? Even now, has the window closed? I don't think so. I mean, I think if they can go to Missoula, you know, four times in well, the last Missoula's different years, but Missoula's is different because of Missoula Jeff. and Boise. I would think, are, <sighs> but it's the same kind of demographics i would think the same kind of place same demographics but i think with missoula there's some mystique to it where people from uh, yeah i I think there is where people from because they they know it's ever associated missoula with any kind of mystique before well no no i'm not saying the city necessarily i'm saying just the lore and pearl jam i'm saying what they've done there in the Hmm. past jeff's connection to it I, i i know people that traveled from the midwest to go there i know people that travel from the east coast to go there and montana is really nice and it can be a destination spot if you love hiking and all that if you love the mountains and all that so i can see a lot of people gravitating towards it and that's why they continue to go back there they're able to get not just the locals but it seems like it's it it is a destination spot as a seattle or a a wrigley would be if you know what i mean yeah i guess but i mean it's they seem very similar. They're about equidistant from Seattle. I'm looking at it here. They're about seven, eight hours apart from each other. And you talk about the connection, you know, Jeff has a connection to Big Sandy. It's just that Missoula happens to be the, the place to play right. where there's the college you know, the football stadium. Yeah. yeah. Boise also has that, you know, Boise State. Correct. The Blue Field. Seems like if people are going to travel for to Missoula, seems like they could easily travel to Boise as well. I'm, all I'm saying is like, but give, Boise has give it, no give it another chance. Aside from this show, Boise has no other yeah. connection with Pearl Jam. That's that's the only thing that is yeah. making yeah, Missoula. Too bad. Uh, yeah. It is too bad, but you know, like they have five consistent members on a couple here and there, and most of them grew up in in Seattle or San Diego, and. You can't have hometown shows everywhere, if you know what I mean, you know? So, Boise didn't happen to be one of them. Montana drew the lucky straw, I suppose, and that's that's where we are today. But the story with Boise 
is that they were actually supposed to play there, and we did mention this when we were doing the Casper show. They were actually supposed to be playing there on the Vitalogy Tour in 1995. And I don't exactly know why they had to cancel. My only guess, Ticketmaster, is that maybe the venue that officially wasn't Ticketmaster, maybe Ticketmaster found out that Pearl Jam was playing there, and they're like, okay, we'll buy you out. You know what I mean? I'm I'm wondering if it was that. And they were just like, oh, Ticketmaster's got us. So that's money right there. So grasping at straws maybe but big tour in 1998 they didn't get to go to boise either they could have made it out there they were within range they were in missoula they were in portland seattle and and some of those other places utah i believe utah gets made fun about the show by the way just a teaser for later it does does. they were lucky enough to get this one but then back in 2003 it was supposed to come up again and it gets canceled again. That's sort of the story with Boise and Pearl Jam, is that they were promised something, then the promise got broken, and a lot of people in Boise, I'm sure, were like, ah, damn it, I have to travel somewhere, or I can't, I'm not going to be able to see them. So they hold off. 2000, it's five years later, which is a long time in Pearl Jam world. And then three years later, where they're promised, and in this show, they specifically do promise them that they will be back, and soon, the promise was not fulfilled. We've seen them do this before. I don't think it's intentional at all. I don't think that they all huddle around and say, we're not going to Boise this year. I don't think they they do that, but I think they... I think think they do it for Atlanta. I think they they do huddle around Bullshit. Nope, we're not going there. (laughs) Well, maybe Jeff does. But think think about Atlanta. Atlanta has ties with this band. Atlanta has the, the 94 yeah, shows. Yeah. There, there's things to go back to, which I think Ed would really appreciate about the city. And then if they really wanted to call on Brennan O'Brien, I, I don't know if he still lives there. He probably does. That's a great connection to bring in that kind of very special guest. He hasn't been at, on stage with them in a long time. I don't think since Wrigley. Right. So you do have stuff. Boise doesn't and they you know they they got their one and it just seems like like a lot of things with with politicians where they say the intention is good and the intention is that they want to do it but there's so many hurdles that they have to overcome that they kind of think it's like all right to get to Boise instead of going through all of what takes to get there and jumping through all the hoops Maybe in like a 2013 where the hoops to jump through, I think, was really Spokane because that apparently was was a big deal to to get together. Maybe they just thought that we got enough under our belt and the juice isn't worth the squeeze, you know? Yeah. And all I'm saying is I'm on your side, boys. I'm rooting for you to get another one at some point. I think it would be nice to fulfill that promise and get back someday. That's all I'm saying is like they, they shouldn't be forgotten about. It shouldn't be just lost to history. They deserve another shot. Let's Pearl Jam's on tour. They are on tour. Yeah, let's chat about that for a little bit because we are a live podcast, and I suppose that that is a little bit of what we do. Yeah, they just played Pink Pop at the time of recording this. The Berlin show, when you're listening to this episode, has been done, but of course that that is a very, very short turnaround time, so all we have on our plates is Pink Pop. 
let's talk a little bit about what went down. So obviously, I think the big thing is we kind of came off of the West Coast shows. It was a little bit of coming out with a whimper with having to cancel two shows. And what I was most interested in seeing going to these is how Matt and Jeff would kind of get implemented here. It was a little strange that there wasn't any acknowledgement of what had happened. I mean, and obviously they're in a different country. Probably none of the people at this Pink Pop Festival had tickets for Sacramento or Vegas. They just would have been lost on them. They're like, okay, that was a month ago and in a different country. What are you doing? But they come out and Matt's buying the kit, just buying the base. Everything's good to go. Yeah, it's just like Pearl Jam as, as usual, you yeah. know, and, and they come out. And for anybody that's pretty savvy out there, the fourth time playing Pink Pop and the first song that they get into, Even Flow, the next song, Why Go. For a lot of people, that immediately triggers in your mind. It's a flashback, 30 years, almost to the date, 30 years and and a little bit of change, a dime, I suppose. And that is exactly how they started the first two songs in 1992 so it's a little bit of a a nice warm throwback and i thought that that was a really cool moment even flow you hadn't seen that open a show since pittsburgh in 2000 so i know it's a festival and i know it's on paper not exactly the most interesting but at least you're getting a little bits and pieces where you can say huh all right that to me is something different and we can have the conversation a little bit again i don't want to go full depth but they are on a 14 song streak of different openers here yeah that's very cool at some point you know this is becoming a thing they're making a conscious decision to mix up the opening song i hope it continues in berlin i hope we come back next week and we're talking about breaking that streak of 15 they're on 14 right now i hope we're going to talk about a few more i'm i'm excited to see what they're going to break out Fingers are crossed, toes are crossed, whatever needs to be done, absolutely. What do you think is like the one big moment from this to take away? Ooh, I know you're going to go with Street Fighting Man. For me, it's the, we know Crowded House is playing Pink Pop as well. Mm -hmm. It's the little intro of Don't Dream It's Over into Better Man. I thought that was very cool. And we had kind of like made a point to like, oh, you know, if if Ed's going to make one of his festival cameos, look out for Crowded House because that's Neil and Tim Finn. You I wonder if the a, bubble just didn't, you know. Right. Yeah. yeah you could get an, an I Got You or something like that. Don't Dream It's Over is like, you know, that's the hit. That's Crowded House's big song. I mean, people know that song. They probably don't even know it's Crowded House. But yeah, I thought that was a very cool moment for him to intro that. And it seemed like it was a seamless transition and fit really well. So I hope that sticks around. Uh, very cool. A nice moment for him to shout them out like that. Long time coming. Yeah, it won't last too long on Street Fight, man. I just think it's awesome. I think uh, lately we've been on a Rolling Stones high because we did it for the program pretty recently. It's one of those classic Stone songs, and I, I feel like a lot of people have covered it. And what I didn't know or knew at one point and got erased from my memory was that they covered it twice in 1994. They're not very good recordings on those, so it's not like Dock of the Bay, which everybody has passed around and really knows, so that's probably why it's not fresh in our head or anything like that, but it had been a good Boeing 737 shows that it hadn't been played, so that's a lot. Look, maybe they didn't even remember that they did it, but bringing it back up again, had to warn Mike's heart. He loves, loves the Rolling Stones, so just a nice surprise, just a nice surprise within 
and your wish lists and your daughters and and on and on and on that you know that they're going to play every single time. And if you want more on talking about Pink Pop, we go into it in full depth because we didn't have the full video to work off of. The live stream wasn't there the whole entire time, but we do have kind of a breakdown of, of what we know that happened. If you want to check that out, that's patreon.com slash live on four legs, chip in a buck, and you get that and all of the other episodes that are coming very soon that are going to be reaction episodes, including Berlin. That's probably out today if you're listening to this on Wednesday. Zurich, probably going to be out on Friday. You know the deal. Just keep going on and on and on. Get the schedule in, and yeah, that's what we'll be doing. Okay, I think that we gave Boise some love. We talked a lot about Boise, and I think we need to talk about the actual show. Really, this is the penultimate show of the tour even though there are two left after here it's a double in seattle as we all know so this really feels like the last city that they're gonna play before they go home and at this time they were cruising they were just on a tremendous run playing shows and and fast every show seemed to be fast from the phoenix show that we covered a little while ago to the new mexico show that was excellent they're all have this like big energy feel to them, and, and Boise's going to be no different when we talk about it here. It's just interesting that throughout this whole turmoil and turbulence that have gone on during both legs of this, that they're kind of finding their way again, and they're kind of finding their way to maybe loving this again, to appreciating going back out and playing live. And this is a very positive show. The band is really happy to be there. So I wonder if moments like this made them think twice about either splitting up because of Ross killed or taking a longer hiatus than just a little bit in between Riot Act. Yeah, a lot of, you know, the tension and the uncertainty of that first U.S. leg, you know, going back to, you know, Virginia Beach and Charlotte, those early kind of southeastern shows, a lot of that is gone by this point because they've been on the road for two, three months, and they've gotten their feedback under them, and the influence and the impact these crowds had on them during this time cannot be understated. Like, it literally saved them, I think. If they had gone out and gotten a little more of a tepid response and you know, not gotten the reaction that they had, like, it might not have ended this way. But after being on the road and going to all these different places and getting the crowd reaction, seeing the reaction they get here, I think that really set them back on a path where they could be a band and figure out how to do this and how to keep it going for years and years to come like absolutely one of the key turning points in this band's history is this leg of this tour where they were able to go out every night and feel that energy from the crowd but go out and be like we've got to go do it for these fans and for this crowd and you know everybody feeding off their energy too yeah absolutely and everybody who went to shows on this tour like you saved this band literally like yeah. and we're gonna we're gonna bring that up a lot on this show. Like the crowd here is unbelievable. We talked about crowds in Seattle and crowds in Berlin and crowds in Amsterdam and crowds in Chicago and crowds in Boston and like this crowd in Boise is one of the best that I've ever heard. It's fantastic, yeah. And I think it's even more fantastic just kind of knowing that Boise doesn't get another chance yeah. from that moment. So I think the thing here is that 
if you have your opportunity, just take it. You can kind of hear in the beginning as they're taking the stage, a little bit in the background, you can kind of hear a little Bob O'Reilly playing. I think that happened a lot in 2000, if I'm not mistaken. I think so, yeah. We're going to go into the show with an opener that, off by Gnarl, it was the most common opener from the album. So let's just get into Of The Girl. set the tone for the show it kind of built to that it kind of was the building block to get to go as sort of a a warm-up for what was to come because i didn't feel like on most mic solos that he absolutely tears it up he's doing his like little bits and pieces of just bluesy riffs and stuff like that but it's not overdone and and the way that i take that is that he knows that you're getting a three-headed monster here with Gokori and Grievance following that, and I think he wants to save the big, big moments for those. He was picking his spots, I thought. There's a couple of parts of this that are very good. Like, overall, it's not a mind-blowing, like, through-the-roof of the girl mic performance, but it's very good for what it is. And I think Ed, at the end, too, really kind of gets into it and gets a little more worked up on it. You know, and again, we don't have video of this. This is one that I would really love to see a video on. I could picture him seeing this crowd, seeing the reaction that they're getting. And this really felt like it, it ramped up halfway through and gets to a really good spot. And that might be because, yeah, they know the next three or four that are coming up, but they're kind of trying to ramp up the energy to feed into that. But I thought Ed at the end got to a, a really good place. And I, I want to say that it's because he's feeding off of what this crowd is, is putting out there right from the very beginning. Can't argue with that. And I just thought another big thing about this song, Matt and Stone get to just work off of each other so well. Yeah. And it, of course, happens all the time, but Stone having a prominent role in the song, Matt having a prominent role in the song, and them kind of linking together, just great to hear. Now we get into the bad boys of this, and you talked about not having video. Well, on here, we do have video for this one. The Gove rendition here is the version from Touring Band 2000. <laughs> Just 
say anything about the last couple shows that we did because I, I did like them, but I think maybe it was because this is an official bootleg and those were still working off of an audience recordings. I just got so excited to hear it go right out of the gate just to hear it flying and to hear how fast it was to hear Ed shrieking on it like it just made me excited and it made me want to be there so bad and, and it's been a while since I've felt that way about listening to a bootleg that I want to be in this place and I think that that's such a good sign for what the show is and how the bootleg is produced and like it just set the tone so well like it put me in such a positive mood it got me really excited for everything like I can listen to this five times in a week and still not be tired of it and it all starts with go you know I mentioned the crowd on the show is unbelievable the energy of the show just comes flying out of the speakers from top to bottom I mean if you want an energetic performance like this has them all up and down the list and that's partly because of the yes the production being very good on the the official bootleg and really pushing through also i think the set list is crafted very well and again the performance i think there was a show we did a few weeks ago where i had mentioned oh they must have gone backstage and been like hey guys let's go out and perform every song perfectly this one is very close to that and that they were out like we're just going to go full throttle on every single song. And like, it's been a long time since I've listened to a full show that keeps up the energy like this one does, like top to bottom. It's just incredible energy throughout and goes one of the first ones where, yeah, it just comes flying out of the speakers. And like, yeah, it made me want to like get up and move some furniture around and have a little circle pit in my little office here, but incredible performance on go. Again, with Ed accelerating his voice, you're feeling intensity, you're feeling it fast, you're feeling it energetic, but it's also the positivity within all that. It puts a smile to your face just hearing it. Mike is lively on it. And at that point, after Go, I'm saying to myself, what the hell else is going to compete with this? How are you going to push the momentum even further? Well, they do. Corduroy's following up. I think that when you build corduroy and you're gonna play it every single night just about and you want everything to hit exactly how it hits you want everything to sound exactly how it's supposed to sound hits you all in the good spots all the good moments this corduroy just had all that and even the little teaser in the beginning you do get that sometimes that little teaser that little pluck hear that live sometimes it's kind of a will they won't they and in your head you know that okay that's a trigger in my mind to know that corduroy is about to come but there is some sense of disbelief like are they really going to do it and you pause for that moment and once they hit it you're like ah yes fine and it feels so good to get that moment I've done that at a lot of shows with a lot of other songs, but Corduroy is the best moment that I can say fits in with, with, with what I'm talking about here. And, you know, we've heard in the 2010s, it's loosened up a lot. And obviously with extra kind of call and response section added and the total breaks and everything that it has now. But this is just a fast, tight, intense Corduroy, like start to finish. Again, high energy, no filler, just get after it. 
Yep, and nothing too fancy in the solo. It's very spacey, and then kind of Mike goes into his pretty normal spiel with it, but it's just you're feeding off the energy again, and that's the most important thing about their show. Feed off of it, feed off of it. And Go and Corduroy were just like mid-condition to me. Just mid-condition. All of these songs, all three of them back-to-back-to-back here, there's no breath. No, not the song. There's no breath in between the three. So they're just going one after the other after the other. They're all intense. They're all fast songs. They're all killers. They're all songs that, yeah, you should take two seconds to, like, drink a bottle of water or something like that. Or just breathe. And they don't. They're like, we're going to bring it to this crowd. While Go is the one, I think that Grievance is really special from this show, too. I think that energy that everybody's feeling, Ed is is now escalating it up just another few notches above what he's doing here. And in the middle, like the champagne breakfast line, there's some major intensity. You can tell, getting to that point, he's feeling real fucking good at the show. I think Grievance isn't the one here. I thought it absolutely exploded with energy. Mike is doing these little fills in between. He just can't help himself. Like, he's got to let this thing out. And I thought Grievance was one of the best performances of the night. Yeah. The idea of Mike being in a cage this show is that I think this show is the perfect example of that. It's like, like, let it's him like loose. they put him in a cage after the previous show and had just let him out five minutes before the show started. He's just an absolute animal on this. And even into Last Exit to follow, I thought Grievance and Last Exit I thought were even better than Go and Corduroy were. Really? Huh. The, the solo in Last Exit is oh, one I love of the, the holy shit moments that I've heard in a long time. Like, the Last Exit solo is a lot of times Let's very break this down. similar. Yeah, this one just goes off the rails. Did you notice how they're finishing the chorus? They're finishing that little Shed My Skin at last. You notice how before Ed even starts the line, Mike is like, I'm, I'm going. I'm just oh, yeah. going. Oh, yeah. I'm just going on this. ready to just jump in he's ready to just bring all the energy oh to have to have been on the rail in front of him on this like you would not all four of these are fucking would not have a face by the end of this section like dear lord what an incredible run of songs like and again going corduroy not a damn thing wrong with them 
but Grievance and Last Exit I thought were a step above on this night. Like, just the power and the intensity that Grievance had, like, don't see that every night. And then it all culminates on that solo on Last Exit I thought was, like, just absolutely stellar. I, I want to bring up here in the first six songs, we, we had mentioned that they were supposed to play in 1995, but in the first six, you are getting three Vitalogy. You're getting Corduroy and Last Exit, obviously, and then after Last Exit, you're getting Tremor Christ. So I, I think this is, they acknowledge that almost like a, an apology to the crowd saying, we, we know we didn't keep our promise for 1995. We didn't come back in 96. We didn't come back in 98, but we're here now. We're right off the bat going to give you stuff that we know you missed. And even like the Go Corduroy Grievance Last Exit Tremor Christ, that feels very 1995 with, you know, Grievance, obviously, if it was in 1995, Grievance would have been uh, uh, like fitting in like spin a perfect the black shoe circle. there. It's, it's a spin the black circle spot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that was probably goes into a little bit of how they were constructing this too. Like I, they were yeah. definitely aware. Yeah, only definitely only aware. six binaural songs, five each from verses and Vitalogy. So yeah, I think that has something to do with it. Only three from ten, and then nothing from No Code. Tremor Christ, real quick, Jeff's bass. I don't know why. Sometimes I just kind of forget about it. Look, there's a lot going on. You want to listen to the drums? I listen to the drums on Tremor Christ a lot. This, I was listening to the bass. This might be one of his best bass runs that he has. It's just excellent. There's a point where in the bridge run, the you could hear him so crisp in that, and it just, again, bootlegs, bootleg quality. We've been listening to these other shows that don't have this, and Jeff is the one that suffers the most, but... Jeff on Tremor Christ was was phenomenal. Great stuff. Let's say good evening, Boise, Idaho. It's funny. You go around and meet other bands in this musical community. They say, it's really great you've been playing for 10 years and all that. And then they say, you must have played Boise, right? And you pause. And you say, well, I don't think we did. We had it scheduled a few times. I don't know what happened. That must have been when Mike McCready was doing the booking. <laughs> so you go back to right. <laughs> you go back to the other bands and say we haven't played Boise, and they'll say, "Oh, you're not even a band." Well, I guess this was their bar mitzvah that they got it what That's three right. years early. <laughs> the night that Pearl Jam became a band. Yeah, right. This one is from Moscow, Idaho, which I did not know there was a Moscow in Idaho. No, yeah, there is. So this obviously being a small town would be an attachment to that. I loved this version of small town. I'm not going to beat around the bush here. It's not anything we haven't heard before, but it kind of is because of not just the location, but because how everybody reacts to it in the location. The anthemic sounding guitars are perfect. You can hear the crowd during the big moments, the hello, the hearts and thoughts, they fade near the end. It's a perfect big arena atmosphere. And then at the end of the song, it feels like the crowd just lets loose and kind of in a way for the next song, it feels like they used up all that they could on small town and just kept a little break for insignificance almost. I don't know if you, you got that same feeling too. I, the, <laughs> not the performance wise, but, and, and honestly, there is something in insignificance where like towards the end, you can hear the crowd vibe kind of get back into it. But I think, I think they needed a, a second to take in what they got from small town. It, it was that good. Oh, absolutely. 
The small town is the moment where the crowd gets the spotlight. This is like, this is your time to shine, right? And they do not disappoint here. Like the hello, obviously, is the big moment. But even, like you mentioned, even other than that, you can you can hear them. Just them reacting after the song. It didn't yeah. have to be in the song, yeah. you know? Definitely. And that's a thing that makes these shows stand out from other ones. And like, yes, you know, we've done Rapid City and Burlington and, and all these different places. Casper and this crowd in Boise absolutely made this show and yeah on small town like if not for them it could have been a run-of-the-mill small town but the way this crowd handled and the way they reacted elevates it into one of the best we've heard in a long time town on the set especially if it's kind of like a, a 2010s version you kind of know what you're gonna get you're gonna get the sing-along you're gonna get a lot of uh, a little more response. theatrical yeah exactly yeah and versions of this just takes me back on this song to what i loved out of it the most and i think that's a lot of this a lot of this might be nostalgia to the times that we loved hearing these songs in the in the fashion that they're played you know it, it just feels kind of like that like i said with insignificance and just to clarify it was a strong performance it was definitely a strong performance it had nothing to do with the band and nothing to do with the crowd too i think it's just you're coming off a big high the band has to work so much harder to get them back i think they're just kind of like waiting for their moment a little bit the ending drop off that's always the best moment on insignificance they're back in and and there's a sense that even if you can't hear the crowd you can kind of feel a buzz you can kind of feel a buzz. Oh, yeah. Every song, you, you can feel it coming through. Yeah. Right. And it was absolutely there at the at the end of Insignificance. Again, no breath in between two songs going into Animal. Working well as, as the glue song that it is. And the stone guitar buzz on that is, is excellent. The crowd participation on that, too, right before the solo. Like, don't discredit anything they're doing because they are keeping up their end of the bargain. You, you wanted to play here? Well, we're telling you come back and we'll do exactly what you want us to do that we're doing tonight yeah you mentioned on animal the ending i think that the ending of the animal is just a plus i'll put it on on par with that vma's version wow because i think it's because of that crowder's like you mentioned right before the solo that crowd response that they get i think hearing that on stage people who've out there played in bands you get that reaction it gives you that little extra juice i think that led them to being the, the end of Animal here. That crowd reaction elevated the end of that song and made it incredibly special. And 
Uh, just again, something that made me like sit up and take notice. Like, okay, this is something that that's unique that we don't get every single time. Not disagreeing. I, I think that everything here is just—it's all elevated. Like, it, it's not going to be its normal. All right, so Ed stops. There's big crowd eruption, and it just helps make it feel like a huge moment when when they erupt right here. And he's about to get into uh, introducing this song, and I think he kind of just stumbles across himself, and he's almost like looking out in the crowd like, I I have no idea what to say. So he's like, "Uh, this is a song that Jeff wrote, and uh, yeah, Mike McCready plays guitar like most of the songs, so let's just play nothing as it seems. Like, I I think he's just so just stopped in his tracks and, and was just like, fuck, I'm speechless. I'm speechless for this. I'm speechless of this reaction. This is it's what they live for, you know. So yeah. McCready is certainly the talking point. Nothing as it seems. The solos are a tad more aggressive than Solemn, which are versions that I really like. The bridge solo is very powerful, show stealing, if you will. And Mike is best when he refuses to stay in his lane. It's the animal in the box deal. We we talked about it. It's the yeah. whole show. It's going to continue on the whole entire way. Again, it's the building of after a small town leading into insignificance, leading into animal, that the crowd reaction on animal, and then the feeding off of the ending of that, leading into nothing as a scene. It's just the energy keeps going and keeps building. Like this crowd does not let them take a breath. And like, you know, it's like, no, we're not letting you take a song off. We're not going to stop. And they're just giving them everything that they've got. And they got a lot. And they got a lot more. I got shit following up on that. What's interesting here is that. I kind of thought there there was like a shift and I got shit like when it transitions from verse into the pre-chorus you get really aggressive and then the melodic chorus and then transitioning back to being more aggressive I just thought that the balance was was there perfectly I just loved everything just felt like it was connecting on this I thought this version was very very good it is very very good and yeah this is one where it's a very heavy ed song performance you know he's got the guitar on i thought he really ramping up the energy every part of the song like verse pre-chorus chorus verse again and i thought the ending of this he really just lets go and he really gets intense and passionate with it i thought it was fantastic the next is oh man this this is what initially really made me want to listen to this show and we did the intro a couple weeks ago in Phoenix and I I really wanted it to be the debut here but I let it go but Romanza into Better Man and Ed tees it up as being a sad song that'll make you feel better and I love everything about it
think it's kind of like you're listening and, and there's like some anticipation on what they're leading you on to as they're going on. And, and it's like a hypnotic melody. You're, you're just sort of entranced with it. And you're like, okay, like it's going up, it's going down. It's going, it's, it's, it's just a perfect, beautiful intro. And then I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm watching kids' movies more lately, but it reminds me of a scene in the Jungle Book that you probably all know where Mowgli is getting uh, hypnotized by the snake, and then, like, he's following the music, and then suddenly something happens and he snaps out of it. And that's, like, Better Man is the snap out. Like, it snaps you out of it, but you're like, oh shit, now it's Better Man, this is great, like, you were just kind of in this perfect, like, musical coma, and now you're back to feeling the excitement and the energy, it was, I, I don't know how else to explain it, I, that's how I felt about it. I like Romanza, I'm not, like, it's not one of my favorite things, but I appreciate it, and this was one of the last times they would do it, I think, obviously, the last time they would do it on this tour, and I think they brought it back one more time a few years later, but... For this, I thought that, you know, there's no save it for later, but Ed holds the last note before the the jam starts. And you know he only does that when he's, again, getting a lot of energy back from the crowd and really feeding off of what that crowd is doing. And there's a great, like, upbeat, perfect jam after Better Man 2. No tag, but I thought that it really fit the vibe of the show. Well, maybe not an official tag, but there is a little bit of improving in here that gets pretty intense. And again, I think it's just like Ed feeling a moment and feeling momentum, and he's just kind of like, all right, what's coming to my mind? All right, I'm just going to belt it out here. doesn't matter what it is. And it's feeding off more and more of that energy, building those blocks of momentum there's so many here that you keep building up the wave crashing down sort of deal and it's like there's high tide there's more waves than almost you can handle but if you're an experienced surfer you'll have yourself a day with this so yeah this is an incredible version of better man along with the intro but i think that this was a showstopper and i think the next two are going to be right in that same wheelhouse you're now getting to the hits you're now approaching what a lot of people consider big Pearl Jam territory after Better Man, Even Flow and Daughter are back to back. Even Flow is just fast. The tempo throughout most of the show, they, they keep just a steady fast tempo. You know, in, in, in 1995, the only one little thing that I have about 1995 that I notice sometimes is that they'll run through 13 songs straight and They'll somehow feel a way to, I guess, need a little pick-me-up after a while. Like, I don't know if it's tiredness. I don't know if the energy after filling all that in a row, it tapers out a little bit. But I think that this is a matured band at this point, and Cameron is built for these big moments. And with this, you're able to, now that they have way more under their belt, you're able to kind of keep stamina a little bit more and you're able to continue this pace throughout the whole thing because I think that that's that's what didn't happen on some of those shows where everything was just super fast in the beginning and then you get to the middle you're like okay can they hold up this momentum in binaural yeah 2000 yeah they can hold up this momentum very very good uh, again 
mic is going off here. It's it's very classic. I would consider this a classic version of Eva Flow solo. It's a little funky, and it's really fun to hear Stone supplementing something very simple on this. I thought I thought the balance was just terrific. I think as far as the tempo is concerned, I think, you know, Even Flow is such a stone groove song, like we've talked about it a lot, where it needs that kind of pace to get the groove into making, like, kind of get into that groove and ride it, and, like, it makes the song, like, hit even harder. I think for a lot of people, when they started playing it faster like this, that's when it became, like... The bathroom break song like that's when it became like oh this isn't the same as what it was like it's kind of lost something because they they play it too fast and you lose the kind of the heart of the song but it makes the solo i think even more kind of noteworthy because it makes mike go in and like okay he's got to match that pace with the solo like he can't go off and do like a stevie ray vaughn thing on a fast even flow He's got to hit that Van Halen style on this thing, and he does. It's very good. And I think even, you know, Stone gets in on the, the solo action a little bit. He tries to, like, get in there and, like, do a little bit under where Mike is doing. And then near the end, like, even Cameron comes in and starts to do a little bit of what you might think was going to be a drum solo. Doesn't quite materialize into the real thing like it would a few years later. But I don't think the the tempo affected that much. I think it really it couldn't be anything else on a night like this when they were getting so much energy. Yeah, I don't I don't think I was really talking about tempo affecting it at all. Okay, I was just talking about how maybe if this was a show a few years beforehand that they could have lost that tempo getting to this point, which it, yeah. this tempo is matching the tempo from all the stuff ahead of it. I, I, I oh, don't yeah. think that they lost it, and, and it pretty much lasts throughout the, the entirety of the main set. Oh yeah, I'm sure they were like, they were floating on a cloud this whole yeah. show. Like, there's no yeah. way that they would have been able to even just slow this down if they had tried. Right. Uh, going back to some crowd moments, though, obviously you're going to get really into even flow. Now, Daughter, again, this three-headed monster hits here, I think you just kind of fast forward right to the tag, and Ed is is having a field day with them. Like, they're playing a game here. Ed loves to test, and I think in a song like Daughter, he, he gets the moment, he gets the time where he's able to test, and he, he knows when to do this, he knows what crowds to do this, and it's going back to that Berlin show from 2009 that we covered much earlier in the year, that... All he did in this was just, how loud can I get the crowd to respond to this? What can they do? And they tear the roof off the place. And here at Boise, it's the same exact response. And then Ed's just like, you know what? I can say anything. I can say anything. You can respond to anything. I feel beautiful. Love is beautiful. We are beautiful. Everybody's beautiful. And the whole crowd eats it up, and they have so much fun. It just another personifies what this crowd was on this night and again tremendous tremendous rendition you are so
I got chills listening to this crowd. It's like they're being conducted professionally. It's like they've been trained. Like, he's not giving them the easy material. And again, it, I really wish that there was a, a full, because I would love to see his reaction because I can just picture, like, the shock and how impressed he was just from the very beginning. Like, everything he does, they are repeating it back note for note perfectly louder. And this goes on for about eight minutes or so. They just keep going. Like you said, he's testing them. He's he's waiting for the moment when they're going to lose it. But they keep building and keep getting better and better. A lot of the crowds, like when daughter comes in, it'll be loose. But it's like you could hear a pin drop in between their thing. Everyone in this crowd is on the ball waiting for this to happen. And they are repeating it back perfectly. Like this is what call and response should be. He's so impressed. He just can't. Like, this is where the moment where afterwards he's like, oh, we'll, we'll never not play here again. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Just an incredible reaction. Like, one of the best crowd call and responses you've ever heard. And, like, you talk about South America, you talk about Wrigley and all this stuff. Like, this is right up there. Damn, 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 damn. And to hear him say that, very line. And for it to not come to fruition after all these years is, is a shame. Yeah. It's a shame because yeah. the, you, you know they know. You know they, they don't forget this stuff. You, you know that they don't. So, look, the only thing is to just keep pushing, keep hoping. There's a lot of people in a lot of places that want shows. And at this point, it's a competition to beat out the Madison Square Gardens and, and what have you. But... Just keep fighting for it. If, if you want Boise, if you're from Boise and you feel like you guys deserve another, well, you're not wrong. We'll never not play here again. Back into the set list a little bit. Light years, Jeremy, giving a fly all together here. Light years, right on point. Just good moving tempo. The stop and go sound really great. Smooth, tight version. Jeremy, I think, was was pretty fine. There's good crowd reaction on it, too. I wasn't, like, super attentive when listening to this version of Jeremy. And I just felt like there wasn't enough for me to to go quite back on. Given a fly, on the other hand, has a lot of big moments, intersecting, building. It's just so balanced, and it just, you get the anticipation when you're building up to the choruses, and you're building up to the big moments, and you just, you're, you're ready for it. You're ready to scream. You're ready to sing, and it delivers. Yeah, I think so. In this section, I think it kind of, I won't say suffers, but it has the unfortunate to follow up that little hit section. And I think it just had a hard time, like, keeping that energy up because, like, they gave everything on Daughter and they're going to bring it back. Like, don't worry, it's coming on the last song that I said here. But yeah, I thought Light Years was kind of a little break and then they build it back up with Jeremy again, how this is constructed to kind of build everything back with those waves and the sentence that we talk about. And Jeremy brings it back up a little bit. I thought after even flow, Jeremy, if it had been in the daughter spot, it would have been just as good there. I thought you would have gotten a really good yeah. reaction from it as well. But coming after light years, I think they needed a break to build back up. And then with Given a Fly, like you said, you start to see some of those moments again. And it's all leading up to the last song of the main set here. That's right. Oh, I love the plucky intro long tease. Oh, yeah. yeah. Long, longer than usual on this. This one is extended. And, and then the melody just comes bursting out. And this set list is going out the same way that we came in. Energy, high tempo, 
As the song says, we're gathering speed here. The bridge is great. The bridge is better than great. It was just, like I, you know, I, I sometimes I try to think of like, oh, it was influenced by this band or this band, but like this is just this was like almost too good to have been. Yeah. It's like it wouldn't be fair to compare it to like, oh, this is a a Who one or a Fugazi one or a Beatles the, one or a Grateful Dead one. Like it's just it's almost one, too good for that. The one thing I took away from it is that you know Ed's holding out all those notes, the, like the long chords. He's like, bow, bow. I thought that was very Pete Townsend. But again, I don't think that's enough to say this is a Who version. I think he was just doing that because he knows to do that. Yes, it's it's like it's triumphant in the way that those kind of Who versions are. But it had everything. It's just the pure culmination of this, of this main set is the, the perfect way to, to end it and it's like they're giving back everything that they've gotten from this crowd the whole night so little bits and pieces I think everybody kind of deserves their little spot here Stone's kind of working with a ton of reverb there's a ton of reverb coming from there and, and that sounds really good because it's it's just counterbalancing all of what you're getting from Mike. Mike is putting like little bits of light touches on the canvas, little bits of light touches, a little kind of spacey, a little little bits of notes over over here and there, and it just again it just meshes so well with what's going on atmospheric with this. And then you get Matt, which if Mike is throwing little touches on the canvas, Matt throws the whole bucket at it. That's insane on this. He's all over the place, like. He must have borrowed Jack's octopus arms because that's, like, I don't think he needs them. I don't think he needs them, but it was that intense. It was that exciting. And then, look, you kind of get a little lost in it, and you're like, okay, like, this sounds really good, and you're, you're, you're feeling a moment here. And then the little bit of opening that they do, like, they kind of pause a little bit, and then you hear the, like, oh, oh, that's a goosebump. That's a goosebump right there. How how do you not love that? How is it's it's perfect showmanship. It's a great version of Rearview Mirror, and it's a great moment in the set list that you can go back to and just say like it felt like theater. You know what I mean? It just felt like everything was perfectly planned out. Just, just to you know, be a fly on the wall after they walk off of that encore break. I can just picture them looking at each other, just were the speechless, being like, "Just wow! Like this is something special." As a big finish to end a great run. One thing 
did you notice, did Ed cough at the start of, like, the, the Saw things? Oh, really? No, I didn't catch it. Yeah, it sounded like it was... Because <coughs> he did <laughs> And that was a real cough, by the way. COVID still seeping into my uh, immune system here. But it seemed like he missed that first one, and it sounded like he just kind of brushed it off a little bit. I, I don't know exactly what it was, but it just interesting thought I'd bring it up. But that whole thing takes us into the encore. Wouldn't you believe it? It's time to pause for station identification. As we mentioned before, it's all happening over at Patreon, and if you want in on the reaction episodes, that's what we're working on now. We're definitely committed to those, and we really want to make it so it's a next morning thing. And We have the opportunity to do it here more than we did on the West Coast, because the West Coast time, it's it's going to end. Shows ended at like 2.30 a.m. for us. So we really didn't have the energy to, to, to record something like that. It just would have been too soon. But now, look, shows are ending at like 5.30. We, we, can, we can muster stuff up. Like, it's going to be there. And the recaps as well on liveonfourlegs.com. We still have those going. Not just like liveonfourlegs.com is, is just benefiting from tour coverage right now it's non-stop with people writing in and talking about their experiences from the west coast shows which there's a bunch coming out this week from phoenix to oakland and then we'll have a fresno one coming pretty soon they're all fantastic and then going back and kind of reliving some of the moments from these locations that we've been doing from from the last run like pink pop berlin and we're, we're gonna have prague and we're gonna have london and we're gonna have amsterdam and and like these are locations that so many people they know these shows and they all they want to do is just relive these shows over and over and over again and i think because maybe the american in us us it's a general term can kind of overlook the european stuff because it's not right in front of our face but there's so much stuff to appreciate and so much stuff to learn from it that again it's always our goal to get you guys interested in learning the bits and pieces that you might not know so all that stuff is coming on live on fourlegs.com and we're so excited to to give it to you guys and the facebook group the pearl jam podcast community group the twitter Every show, we're going to be live tweeting, Resetless Relay. I just want to give a huge shout-out to Rillian. He's been a day warner. He's been listening to the show since September 2018. He's been one of my great friends, one of John's, everybody's great friends in the community. We've built up such a great community. Everybody knows who Aurelian is. He's thankfully, for him, going to 12 shows and, and really taking a gamble on a lot of this with COVID and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, his, his family and wanting to stay safe for his family, taking a gamble, but he's going to 12 of these and he's been writing a really, really good perspective blog that's ongoing for the whole entire tour that you should definitely check out on the website as well. Like Aurelian has been, has been great. I know he's listening. He always listens. So thanks for the, the set list relay. And I think you guys, if you pay attention to the relays too, I think you should give Aurelian a little thank you as well. He deserves it. Absolutely. You know, the big thing is like, we had a little bit of uh, of a downtime in between the legs, but now, you know, they're back. We've got, you know, five or six Reinvigorated weeks energy here. here. Yeah. So it feels like we're up and up and going again. So it's time, time to get back. We, we've got uh, another few weeks here over the summer and then we're going to have some more in the fall. So we're just, uh, just getting started. There's always room upon the train. And if you want to head over to patreon.com 
and subscribe to what we're doing. It's as low as a dollar a month. You can even pay the $10 a year tier within the bonus leg where you get a $2 discount where if you were paying $1 a month, you would have to pay $12 for the whole entire year. So that's a $2 discount. If, if that's not if that's not intriguing to you, then I don't know. Like Everybody wants to save a couple bucks here and there. So I'm just throwing that out there. And, and that's not something that Patreon does. That's something that we put in there to put a discount for, for you guys that are committed and, and really helping us out. So... All I got to say is if you want the reaction episodes and very soon been working again, uh, it's going to happen. I'm pinning for the end of June here, the Nothing Man evolution episode. The Deep Evolution episode is also being worked on too, and I don't have a timetable for that, but I, I would think sometime this summer between July and August. So more things coming out, the special stuff that, that happens on Patreon. We love doing it, and we do it because there are so many people that are, are kind enough to contribute to what we're doing and, and to build this. I say it every week. You guys are just fantastic, and uh, you guys really help the show continue to move on. If it wasn't for you guys, then it wouldn't have gotten to the heights that it has gotten. So if you want in on it, if you're not in on it already, if, if you are in on it already, then, hey, hopefully you're enjoying the content. But for those that aren't, patreon.com slash live on four legs or go to live on four legs.com. Read a couple articles before you go and sign up, but hit the big orange become a patron button and you're on right there. Back to the rock. It's an eight song encore here, but it's interesting because you kind of get the the first little beginning here is, is going to seem more like the slow burn of the late 2010s that kind of got implemented. And I think they kind of needed that because of how intense the main set was. So you have to build back in some way. If you came out and your first song was Evolution, Spin the Black Circle, and State of Love and Trust, they would have been like, whoa, we're fucking wiped art. Like, give them something emotional to, to attach themselves to here. And, and it was very good. So at the beginning of all this here is, is kind of talking about like them and you know the challenges that they've gone through. And, and of course, with Boise being a college town, you know, going to school, finals, it's all of it is... Is tough and preparing for life, of course. And he says, we're almost home. The next stop is home. The next stop is Seattle. I hope after this intense year, it'll be great to end on a great show. You got your wish. People know it by 11-6-2000, by the way. And I hope it's as half as good as this. Music comes in handy for a lot of things. Parties, sex, hardcore depression. This is a song we found to help us deal with the latter. It's by Cat Stevens. Jeff and I will attempt it for you. And that song is Don't Be Shot. So don't be shy. Just let your feelings roll on by. And don't wear fear. Or nobody will know you're so lift your head and let your feelings out instead And don't be shy, just let your feelings roll on by On by, 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 on by. 
when was the last time that we, and that's a relative term there, covered Don't Be Shy? Oh yeah, it was a very long time ago. I don't think it was before I was on the show. It was episode 9, Reading, Pennsylvania. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, a long time ago. And, and I think most of the versions of this have been Ed Solo, just Ed Acoustic. Mm-hmm. There have been a couple where they've implemented Jeff like this, but yeah, I like Cat Stevens stuff. I don't think I consider myself like a, a connoisseur of it. I don't like some of his anti-Semitic views that have been kind of ballyhooed in the past, but he does write beautiful music. And this rendition is a real nice and easy way to get you back into the set list when the main set was all out. Yeah, it's just a little kind of sweet kind of song that serves as like a an interlude or like a little transition in between yeah i like the way they do it and i and i was kind of surprised you know here that jeff is on this i always pictured these as as ed like is this where right. is jeff doing is this like a b-girl situation where jeff is playing guitar and ed singing or is he actually playing bass i couldn't really i heard tell. bass i heard okay. bass on it yeah a little okay. bit of bass but i think mostly this is the second version so they're still trying yeah. to figure yeah. out what this is and obviously this out of eight times in total being played and and really sparingly recently but it just doesn't come back in later errors at all but since yeah. we have it here, that's why it's so rare for us to talk about it because you really have to hit a very specific spot in order to get it. So that we did today and back on episode nine. I don't think we realized that on episode nine, it would take us till episode 187 to cover the song again. I don't think we had that as a talking point back then. Right. Those, those shows were long, but there were other talking points. Black falls up, and oh man, smooth, real easy going, a lot of soulfulness, like you're hearing it from Mike, you're hearing at the end of the solo those whale sound kind of noises, and ah, it's just, it's conducting an emotion I think might have some ties to what Ed just mentioned before with this being a tough year, it just has that, like, it's despair, but it's like you're kind of getting out of the hole. You're kind of getting out of the hole of despair, and this is helping you kind of pave the way to the light. Yeah, I think it has a little bit of a catharsis to it because part of this too is that they know the tour is coming to an end. They know they've just got the two shows left, so just leave everything hanging out. We've you know we've talked about shows before where Ed's like, you don't want to be at the last one. You want to be at the one before the last one. And I know that there were two shows in Seattle, but like we said, we can kind of consider this the penultimate city at least. Yeah, I think this is like he's letting out everything that they've been through this year into this night and into these performances. And I agree, like this is more of like a mellow black, but still very, very good. And I felt like it, like I said, a little bit cathartic, like they were they were working through some stuff here. Fits in perfectly with this little section because I think yeah. you kind of get acoustic which it doesn't have that power, and then Black is kind of a step further, and then Crazy Mary being a a step further than that, that kind of is another gateway into what's going to happen three songs in a row afterwards. And Crazy Mary, of course, is on the 2000 Comeback Tour. This is one of the last versions that they'd play without Boom, and it's interesting to see how it all evolved, but we did that already. If you're interested to hear the evolution of Crazy Mary, that's over on Patreon, as I mentioned before, as well as lots of evolution episodes on lots of different songs. But a little bit and piece of that, I think, you know, to me, 
you're, you're kind of getting the tag here. And what I mentioned, I did mention this version when we did the Evolution episode, and, and mostly because of the stairway tag. That solo that starts with the stairway tag here, they had only done it a couple times up to this point, and a lot of times they were doing it was just like, okay, it, it was a little like, it, it didn't make you feel like, oh wow, that stairway, it was just like, okay, let's, let's, a little bit at the end, and then kind of tapers out a little bit, but this is, I feel like this is the first real legit version that Stairway to Heaven makes. Uh, an impact on Crazy Mary. It's not a long solo at all, but the typical Mike staccato that he was doing, the staccato and strumming in this era, like, yeah, it's a very polished version. And again, one that right after this you're not going to get much often anymore. Two more versions until they get to boom. to crazy mary yeah the, the the stairway thing you know that that doesn't really do anything for me it's just that's just not my thing you hate so, 70s rock just say it yeah i do um <laughs> but again this is you know again you're building off of don't be shy and black and again this is crazy mary you know it's, it's not the the big crowd moment yet but people know it people like it it gets a good reaction so then you can come back and then we're now we're getting back into the high energy stuff that's right. Do the evolution, spin the black circle, state of love and trust, back to back to back. The first thing I want to mention is spin the black circle here. <laughs> and you know where I'm going with this. Oh, yeah. All you guys get ready for it. 2000. What is the medium in 2000 to listen to music? What's the most popular medium? It's fucking CDs. And, of course... In the second verse, he's saying, All my joy, I fucking hate CDs. <laughs> stuff from that area they didn't even bother pressing they've gone back in and like you know you've seen some reissues of stuff and but if you got any it would be like that's why some of that stuff is so expensive now because they would do oh give them 300 500 who cares like no one's gonna buy it anyway yeah like that's it was just just dead like no one was listening to records and especially with the advent of the mp3 
and Napster and everything that followed. It was just like, oh, well, that's going to be what it is now. Like, right, it's just, vinyl's just a dinosaur. Yeah. yeah. And vinyl and, is one of the very, very few things that, in, in analog terms, has survived or at least made a huge revival. Like, yeah. beta and VHS are never going to make a revival. <laughs> other right. things of that nature, like, they, they're just dead. So much other technology is, like, next to obsolete now, like, where you can use it, but it's not useful for anything. And somehow vinyl seemed to just find a second life. Yeah, it almost makes no sense. Like, it should not have happened. No. Against the grain of everything that society is doing, here comes vinyl records as a comeback. But, yeah, I mean, it's we kind of went off on this all based on this one little improv line where he says, I fucking hate CDs. Which, again, just makes the song for me, like, again, just perfect. Like, I, I love it. Because, yeah, I hate CDs, too. They're dumb. Uh, I, I, look, I was at, uh, today, when we are recording this, was Record Store Day, and I picked up Live That's on right. Two Legs. Yeah. yeah, Not Live on Four Legs, everybody. It's it's the actual thing that, you know, we made the thing on. Haha. <laughs> but somebody was talking, we were talking about, like, box sets and stuff like that. He's like, oh, I go back to CDs. And I'm just like... Who still has a CD player? I have like a CD book somewhere in this house, and I really, they're probably all scratched up. They're probably all fucked up. And at one point in my life, I thought, okay, maybe we get the the revival. I don't don't even give a fuck anymore. I don't even give a fuck. I sold sold 90% of mine probably. What are they worth? 20 years ago. Oh, they were worth nearly nothing, but but I had hundreds of them, so I got, you know, a decent. Yeah, chunk of change for it, and sure. I n- never looked back. Like ripped them all of the computer and, and got rid of them. Look, if Ed knew then what we know now, then I bet we would have like twenty eight volts. All for sure. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think that there would have been so much if they just said, "Let's stick with this. Let's you know, let's keep the pressings up and and let's see where it goes, and maybe like these can be like collectors' items." Uh, this show would be a great vinyl release. I would love this that. This show would be a phenomenal vinyl release, yeah. yes. I'm in on that as well. Just sort of get back in line with the set list here. Everything is just all revved up, it, especially Spin a Black Circle. Just killer at the end. And again, <laughs> again yeah, just <laughs> you're going back. We're going to get into back to it. No, you're, we're going to get into State of Love and Trust here where it kind of like it almost gets too much and they, <laughs> they, they just can't keep it going the whole time yeah all right well go off then yeah state of love and trust gets a little messy and i think it was just again building everything back up to the energy that the main set had they just couldn't keep it going and after spin the black circle which is just murderously energetic like i don't see how they made it through that thing in one piece it kind of all comes to a head in state of love and trust and it's like it all kind of falls apart a little bit yeah, I can see that. You know, I thought that that Mike was working hard on the solo. It was exciting too, but I think yet, yeah, yeah, like you've had a couple too many to drink, and right. like you lose. Control well, I'm sure no one, in, no one in the that. crowd cared. That's something. Oh that, hell you know, no! We, you, I you, barely you go care. back and yeah, exactly. You go back and listen on the bootleg, and you're like, oh okay. Well, obviously, like yeah, things are a little bit off the rails, but the energy's still there. Like you said, Mike is still still doing his thing that he always does on State of Love and Trust, and like it's more comic relief than anything like negative about the song or anything. It's just like yeah, of course they weren't going to be able to to like it's going to come off the rails at some point. They're only human. 
they're only human, and at a show like this, you can make one fumble and recover and be okay. You're, the, the score is like thirty-five to, to three or something like that. Yeah. So they're they're in good hands. It's all right. Ed, thanks everybody again. I think this is like the third or fourth time he's really thanked the audience. I don't think we mentioned it yet. It's really important to mention that Matt Cameron is the drummer tonight. As we got to hear with Pink Pop, he was the drummer tonight. We should also send a huge thank you to a great band from Oxford called Supergrass. So this would be about a bad state of love and trust, and it's called Parting Ways. This is the Encore One Closer, and I absolutely love it. ways just the name title on its own that you're about to say goodbye parting ways you're saying goodbye this could have been and i think this could have really been if it it evolved into something bigger this could have been one of the very few of the show closers and when i when i say evolve into something bigger i think that they could have taken this and they could have made it into like a more positive moment. And they could have, especially with the end where you can extend and you can have a big moment with Matt and with everybody just kind of going off the rails on some of that experimental rock stuff. And I, I think it was just a major missed opportunity because I think that the, the crowd really reacted well to this. And I just don't understand why this isn't one that they're like, yeah, th- this is a home run. Let's do it more. Yeah, it's never close to show. And that is a criminal injustice. I'm with you. I absolutely adore the song, especially live, almost more than on the record because of what they do with the ending, especially the way that Cameron plays it live. It's just incredible, the power and the, the energy that has on it. But this song has not been played more than once in a year since 2003. Once in 04, once in 05, once in 06, once in 09, once in 2013, once in 2016, and only only 14 times in 2000. So that's really low. That is brutal. How hot take, go out on them, whatever. All of them are great. I don't think there's been a bad performance of them. You know that the Benaroya, like this is one of the highlights of the Benaroya Hall. And 
This is great in St. Louis 2002. The, the, the I love Philly that 2009 version. with the string section. With, yeah. With, with Matt's wife and all. The, they all came out. But please. Oh my god. Just one of the most underappreciated and underrated songs in their catalog. And I don't see how it, it's never closed a show because I think it would be absolutely epic. Did we just do song appreciation for it? I think I we did. I believe we did. It's not really a thing that's come up a lot in 2022, we'll, we'll, but we'll do it again when we do another show that has. That's it on right. There. That's right. All right. Well, that takes you. That's a big showstopper. This, I think, it is a showstopper. I, I have no doubt about it. This, this was a showstopper from this show. Like big moment. I feel like the crowd was in on it. Like that's you have your better mans, you have your even clothes, you have your daughters, you have your parting ways. Hot take. I'll take it. The second encore is just going to be rocking in the free world, but they come back to a roaring ovation. Many might have felt the show was over, but nope. I, I wonder if this was just like, can we can we buy time? Can we buy time? Okay, mm-hmm. let's do another. This they deserve it. This could have been the show. This could have been the one show where they they close the parting ways and and yep. just they yep. needed to do one more. It says, you've just been great. All the energy here tonight. If anyone ever tells you that you can't change the world, fuck them. They weren't here. Then he says hello to somebody named Ben in front, gives him the mic, <laughs> and asks, where did you come from? Utah! And he gets some rousing jeers from coming from Utah. And Ed says, get him out of here. So, if you don't like Utahians, then... This is the show for you, I suppose. He, he made it up there, and then he gets he, the security comes and like obviously gets him off. And Ed goes, kind of looks back. Goes, oh, sorry, Ben. <laughs> well, that's kind of like the the thing that we that we saw with the Michigan guy coming on stage yep. where he invited yep. him on. He's like, nope, nope, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. He hasn't done that in a long time. It's so rare to hit, it's yeah. so rare to see that, but. It's funny. Uh, speaking of making a difference, for sure, you, sh- you should vote on Tuesday. Vote however you feel. Don't let us influence you in any way, but we should make mention that if you're going to vote for Ralph Nader, it's a write-in vote in the state, but it looks like George W. is going to get the state anyway because, well, these small states that we're all talking about here, except for Maine, they all run red. Do your best, don't stop thinking, and we'll see you again in the future, I hope. Rocking in the free world ends the set. I thought that was just another energetic one. Obviously, we haven't hit on a lot of Neil Young songs in the last little while, but we're still in kind of pause mode with that and aren't playing any Neil Young stuff due to due to Spotify and our arrangement with Spotify. But uh, what you, what'd you think of the version? I thought it was good. Again, like it was kind of like you're letting the energy kind of like dissipate of the night. Because if you ended on Parting Ways, that's a very like intense powerful like there's no relief there we always talk about how there's no celebration like rock in the free world is like them coming out to say like i said to say thank you to this crowd and it had all that it was just a release of all that energy from the night and i thought as far as musically i thought what stone was doing underneath mike solo was really good that's always something i listen for in rock in the free world and it just felt like they got through it they know they played a great show. The crowd's into it, so it just felt like the release of all that tension that had built up and all that energy in a really positive way. The last one, last song that they've played in Boise to this date. I'll leave it to to this date because anything is possible. But now we take this massive show that we've just fawned over for an hour, an hour and a half, 
and now we pick some moments that we like. It's my week to go first. I'm actually pretty nervous with this one. So I have lots of stuff that I like, and I'm just going to rip them through. So don't torture me here. You can pick, like, tomorrow I might have three different ones, and the next day I might have three different ones. I'm going to go number three, Romance a Better Man. I'm going to go number two, Parting Ways. Number one, go. Wow, I've got three completely different ones. Great. That means it was a pretty good show. Yeah, my number three is Rearview Mirror. My number two is Grievance. And my number one is Daughter. Fantastic. That's how you know, like, it just hits you in such good... And and those were all fantastic performances, obviously. We spent time on it. We spent time on it. So this is all leading up to kind of a, a tough moment. And, you know, being first... I don't get to piggyback off of what anybody's doing here. I kind of get to set the tone, and that's a little its a little nerve-wracking for this one. My initial thought, to me, I, there are some shows that get elevated to the tippy-tippy top of, like, we mentioned before, like the top 50, and those always get 10s, and, and those will be Hall of Fame shows, and then there's, like, the nine-and-a-half territory which usually end up being shows that we absolutely love that are popular but they are just great boots they don't have like an extra story to them like a Wrigley or a Moline or something like that that just makes them legendary they, they're awesome but they're not elevated to that highest point so I have been thinking about this for the last hour of where I stand with it and whether or not the nine and a half is good enough and I don't think it is I want to give this a 10 I really do for the most part like I can say like thousands of words as to why but for the most part I just got really excited and inspired by listening to it that's it that's it that's the best thing that you can say about any show and especially one that you haven't been to, especially one that there's no video for you, so you can't see and visualize those moments. So you're kind of going off. And, and sometimes that's, that's interesting because you're painting a picture in your head of what's happening. And, yeah, I, um, I really like it. And it, it was tough to decide on. But I, if uh, this has a Hall of Fame candidacy to it, John's rather quiet right now. I'll let him throw in in just a second but if it's a hall of famer then we'll know in just a second right 10 out of 10 uh, i debated a little bit when i was listening to this because you know it's always kind of in the back of your mind like is this going to be one of the ones because we've we've created this this thing on ourselves and we have to follow through with it now we created a monster we did this one, it might not be in the top 10, it might not be in the top 20, but it deserves a spot in there. I mean, it's got everything you want from a Pearl Jam show. And yes, you know, the Seattle shows from the, a few days later are going to get all the, the spotlight and the, the acclaim, but this one's, this one's right there. It's damn good. Going to be going back to this one for sure, so it meets all the criteria. When you talk to bootleg heads, and when I mean bootleg heads, just like people that bought the entire 76 show box set in 2000 and still have it to this day, like those are the people they they know. And I'm thinking like the the ideal person for this and maybe people uh, are are hallucinogenic recipe guys and Brian Horowitz and, and Patrick Bogle that like they know bootlegs back and forth. Like they can tell you what animal 
version something happening. Like they 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 just know this shit because they've listened to all of it. I can't say I've listened to all of it, but since they they have like bootleg heads love this show. They absolutely. Well, I should do. point out too. We didn't mention this earlier. This is one of the one of the eight man shows. The eight man, right? So right. you know that that the band agrees. They they thought it was one of the best of that tour. And I think that might have like probably perked some ears a little bit when people saw like Boise and Eight Man. Okay, let's give it a try. Oh, yeah, I see why. So, yeah. all right, folks, we are one show away from finishing up our OTOTO States Month, and that will be next week, Fargo, North Dakota, 2003. That's going to be an interesting show. We've sort of talked about little bits and pieces of this show, especially with In My Tree on the Evolution episode. So I think that was back in 2020. So we're going to dig back into that again. That'll be kind of fun to revisit that conversation. So uh, a 2003 show, what what goes wrong? Almost nothing. Like those shows are just absolutely legendary and classic. And North Dakota, that's another one that we're just going to have to talk about and see why they won't come back there and that would be the last one out of the vermont wyoming maine south dakota idaho and now north dakota so we're finishing that up we'll have more stuff coming up in july july will be a little bit of a lighter month i think just to give us a little time i i I believe it's going to be a lot of festival shows but good stuff like good stuff like Lollapaloozas and stuff like that like we're we're not completely leaving you high and dry here like it's just going to be a lot less songs in the set so um you know we'll we'll do that for a month and then we'll get back into some other stuff once uh we're ready to prepare for September and those shows too so that's all I got to say if you want to listen again I'll mention this for the third time. If you want to listen to all of the reaction episodes coming out of Europe, patreon.com slash live and four legs and sign up for just a dollar a month. Until we see you then, please rate us on Spotify, rate us on Apple Podcasts, leave a comment on Apple Podcasts. It helps grow the show tremendously. If you do that, you're great in our book. Now we get to close this one out. This may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, miss you already. Miss you always. Oh, man. I, w- I should have had a Fargo quote ready. Fuck. Um, Next week. Oh, I will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should have had one ready for this, though. If you're William H. Macy, I think you're ready for this one coming up for next week. Fargo. We'll see you then. Sorry, Dan.
all this energy here tonight. If anybody ever tells you that you can't change the world, fuck them. Do your best and don't stop thinking. And uh, we'll see you again in the future.